Good morning. I almost didn't come up here because we were feeling it. <laughs> Try to stay with it. I don't get to hear worship like I like to hear it most of the time. That's my worship music right there. That's a song by a guy named Fanatic called Press. And it's, uh, it's about uh, me and Jesse was having an argument today about whether press on means wait or put your head down and keep moving. And we decided that it means both. But sometimes there's nothing you can do but wait. And other times you've got to take another step. So, so uh, let me ask you this question before I, I get going. I got myself, I create, I create notes and then director's notes. So I got to follow the director's notes. And so I'm supposed to ask you some questions. So how many of you raised your hand or have ever done any kind of training? Training. I'm still talking hip-hop, so let me, let me be clear about this. Training. I put my Hallmark voice on. Training. How many has done training? Either fitness training or work training or... Okay, we we can train. How many? Now I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. Please understand, I'm gonna laugh with you instead of laughing at you, because I'm gonna raise my hand a couple of these. How many have trained to lose weight? Okay. How many have trained to get fitness? It's different. Losing weight and getting fitness is different. Okay. How many have trained to stop something? If you don't raise your hand, you're lying to me. Okay, all right. All of us has tried to stop something. You didn't call it training, but it was it was an attempt to stop something. How many of you trained to start something? Okay, all right. So, so as we think about this notion of press on, I want I want to I want to I want to read the passage to you and know that some of what I'm going to say today is tied to bringing some stuff forward from what Mike said and. And then I'll do a little commercial because I think the the end of the, the series is important enough that we're going to try to talk a little bit about that today. So in Philippians 3, I'm going to preach. I'm going to read to you 12 through 16 is what you have in front of you. I'm not going to preach all that because we'll be here all day. And we was arguing about Myers-Briggs. I have a really strong J. So that means I got a time thing I got set in my head to get you out of here by then and I didn't think I could do both, all that passage and get done in time. So, But let me read to you what it says. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers and sisters, I do not, cons- I do not consider that I have made it on my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those who are mature think this way. If if, If in any of you think otherwise, God will reveal it to you also. 
Only let us hold true to what we have attained. So I, three things I want to say to you, and you know me, I'm going to try and get you guys to walk with me. So the three things go like this. Check your garbage. That was weak, man. Come on, Hope. Come on, Hope. Check your garbage. Do the one thing. You got to do the symbol with it. Do the one thing. Okay? And adjust your gaze and glance. All right, let me see if you can do it without me. First one. Second one. Third one. Yeah. Jesus is good, right? Here we go. So. I'm not, I'm not a very, like, my, my sense of humor, my wife tells me, is a little bit whacked. Okay, so I don't like to tell jokes because I'm horrible at them. I like to listen to them. But I do like telling the stories. And I happen to like Charlie Brown and Penis. I grew up, Charlie Brown Christmas, The Grinch Stroke Christmas, all those, you know, uh, 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 Frosty the Snowman, Rudolph the Red, Red Nosed Reindeer, all them, them animation or claymation movies. I lived on them, and 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 we fought for a couple of things in my house. We fought to see who was going to sit in front of the TV when Charlie Brown was on, and we fought to see who was going to sit in front of the TV when The Wizard of Oz came on. And when I mean fought, I mean even my grandma, who was this big, fought, right? Because we loved those movies. My grandma raised us on what she called old-fashioned black and white. So we grew up watching, you know. Um, you know, the, the Christmas show, shows and all those shows of tradition. So I, I fell in love with Charlie Brown and the Peanut series. So I want to read to you a conversation between Lucy, who I love because she's a knucklehead, and Charlie, who's, I don't know, I would call him a punk. Like he just, but he's a kind-hearted, loving, bumbling punk, right? So I want you to picture this. He's at a baseball. You know, they always have him at baseball. And he's up to bat. It's the second strike, and ball comes whistling through, and strike three. And Charlie's struck out again, and he slumps over and wanders back to the bench. And he starts muttering to himself. Now, how many of you mutter to yourselves? Any of you in here mutter to yourselves? Like, talk to yourself on a regular basis. Right? So Charlie says, and Charlie is very endearing of himself and encouraging and positive. Listen. He says, rats. I'm never going to be a big leaguer. I just don't have it. All my life, I dreamed about playing in the big leagues. But I know I'm never going to make it. Now, none of y'all talk to yourself like that, do you? So, so Lucy, who, you know, she loves Chuck. She says, Chuck, trying to console him. Charlie Brown, you're thinking too far ahead, she tells him. <laughs> Chuck looks up. She says, you need to set yourself more immediate goals. <laughs> Charlie's still muttering, I suck, I suck, I suck, I suck, I suck. And he, he hears the last phrase, immediate goals. And he looks up at Lucy, immediate goals. Lucy says, yes, you need to start the next inning. And it needs to start out by the next inning, 
Jesus. He said, Chuck, you need to set the simple goal of when you walk out to the mound, don't fall over. <laughs> I think that was hilarious, though. I said to myself, they won't think this is hilarious, but I don't care. I'm telling the joke anyway. I think it's funny. <laughs> so let's take a look at this. Paul says, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ has made me his own. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider that I have made it on my own. And what he's doing there is he's he's actually speaking back to the opposition. In every race, you have somebody who's opposing you. And in this particular passage, Paul's, Paul's actually using some of the language that the infiltrators use. And he's, he's sort of. He's using their language to set them to set him, them, him aside from them. And my first idea is you got to check your garbage can. Paul says earlier, um, he says I count it all garbage. The British for that would be rubbish, and the American for that would be a word I can't say here. So let's say poop. Okay, that would be the word. But what he's saying is when you trust Christ, it means that you give up. You set aside. You work to set aside your tendency to vindicate yourself or to qualify yourself. You put that in the garbage. You don't need it. Paul says you don't need it. See, the, the, the opposition was saying, follow the law, do it right, look like me, I got it all together. And I think Paul in, pre, in person was either studied or had studied, stuttered or had a crooked nose or lisp when he talked, and it was clear Paul didn't have it all together. And he's saying, I'm not even trying to have it all together. Because the things that I would count as having it together I threw away, all my accomplishments and all my deficits, because I'm going to hold on to one thing, the love of the Father through Christ Jesus. Hmm. So to trust him means I set that aside. To trust him means that I, I'm going to stand on God's righteousness, Supplied me by the faith I place in Christ. So I got a question for you. I want you to think about the things that you've done and you've accomplished. I want you to think about the things you're proud of. The things that give you a smile, a sense of accomplishment. But I also want you to think of those things that you're embarrassed about, you're ashamed of. Well, let me say it this way, Wanda, the things that you wouldn't want me to see the videotape of. You know, that's, you, you know what I'm talking about. Stuff you point out. And, and 
You know how the pastors, when I grew up, used to tell me there was going to be a videotape. And do you understand what that would have done to me as a shame-based dude? Oh, no, no, dude, I wouldn't have showed up for heaven. I would be like, you know what, God, I think I'm going to head on down to hell. We'll check you later because <laughs> I don't want the videotape showing. And the new covenant says no videotape. Count it as garbage. Put it away. The only thing you lean on is the work that's been done by Christ. Now, the problem with all of us is that that's hard for us to do. It's hard for us not to try to find our own way. You know, you know, I love this Jesus thing. We have more people leave Hope Church because the only thing we talk about is that. That you are vindicated and qualified by the work of Christ. And there's nothing you can do to add to it. There's nothing you can do to take away from it. And we have more people that skate. All they do at Hope is talk about that great stuff. That's all there is. And he says it. He says I'm not qualified. I'm not all that. I don't got it all together. But I know what I am going to do. That would challenge us to have short-term, short memory and engage in brief celebration. Short memory, engage in brief celebration, which means I'm going to enjoy the walk. I'm going to smell the roses, but I'm not, I'm not getting stuck there. Which leads me to act two. Do the one thing, Paul says. Here's what he actually says. He says, brothers, I consider it, I do not consider that I made it on my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward, what lies ahead. Do the one thing, Paul says. And he doesn't, he doesn't make it very clear. And as I read and studied, I tried to figure out what it was. And I decided last night about 2 o'clock in the morning doesn't really matter. I've been studying it for two weeks, can't find it. And, and I can speculate about it, but it, it's not clear in there, so I'm going to leave it alone. Because, because there's some things he does say. He first tells us to put it in the garbage. And then he uses language that implies a race. And he also uses language that protects us from those that might cut in on us or try to box us in. See, see, when you listen to the law, it either cuts into your joy or boxes your joy up and diminishes it. It either cuts into your joy with the promise of more joy or greater joy or more fulfilling joy. Anytime you hear those plus words, run, like, H-E-L-L-L-L-L, run, because it's, it's Jesus plus. It's New Covenant plus. You can't get any more joy than God's given you. And there's nothing you can do to increase that or diminish that. But he, but he, but he puts us in a race. And I'm not sure the race is, the race he's talking about is 
a 50 meter or a 1500 meter or a two mile race. I think it's a lifelong race. I'm not sure he's talking just about getting to the finish line. I think he's also talking about spiritual fitness. And 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 you and you get in shape by remaining in the race, even when the race is difficult. And Paul tells us this. So instead, what he beckons us to hear, and I'm going to say it in reverse because I think this is the first thing he says, or the first thing he means is to strain forward. See, I think this race is hard. You agree with me? Y'all give me that South Dakota stare. I don't know if you agree with me. Here's what I see. You agree with me? I think the race is hard. And he uses the word straining forward. I think the race is hard, and I think Paul, because Paul is the New Covenant author, translator to us from God. And he translates the, what he can find. And he says, here's what God's taught me. I want to share. I want to reflect it to you. And he doesn't reflect a lie. He says, straining forward. Now, here's what I understand, because I have a small career of being a track athlete in basketball. I tried football, but I was too little, and I didn't like getting hit. Um, I love hoops, and I love I love jumping. I love high jump, long jump, triple jump, anything you could do. And and I didn't know that in ninth grade when you go off a track, you got to run. Did you know that? I, I you know I, I went off the track to jump. I didn't come I didn't come out here to run. And so he put all the jumpers together in ninth grade. Mr. Card, I still remember him. He was this sort of bald head white dude with a big old bottom lip. And he talked with a lisp because his lip did like this. And he said, jumpers. And we're like, yeah, yeah, we're just going to go play in the sand. He said, on the, on the line. I'm like, wait, wait, wait a minute. They didn't tell me that deal. We, we running? Shoot. I came home. I told my grandma I'm quitting. She said, no, you're not. She said, first of all, the coach called me. And if you're going to play basketball, you, 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 you're going to play basketball next year. You got to run this, this spring. Man, and how come he coach called my grandma? That's what I don't understand. <laughs> so it didn't stop. I get to college, and I'm thinking we're just going to hoop all the time. And he has the meeting in September, and he tells us the good news is we'll be playing at the end of October. The bad news is we're on the track till then. I'm like, are you serious? Straining forward, straining forward, we had to run a mile, a quarter mile, and a half mile, straining forward. Straining forward means that I have to contend with two things. I have to contend with the internal demands, which are my desires. I have to wrestle with my desires. And later on in, in a Paul, Paul tells us in Galatians, every day those desires speak to us. They're not bad or good. They just are. Every day we're wired to protect ourselves. Every day something happens, and I want to stand and justify and 
protect myself internally. I have things about me. Every day I have to contend with my own judgment. My categorization of good and bad. That's the internal battle. The external battle is every day I have to deal with suffering and trials and challenges. I have to deal with, I have to deal with being on an elder board with Randy over here. He has to deal with me. You know, I, I have to deal with, I, I got staff here in Sioux Falls and in Spearfish and in Yankton and I have to deal with asthma. What do you have to deal with? External challenges. School. Competition. Grades. Homework. Pharmacy. What do you got to deal with? It seems to me there's no escape from the tension. But God's power And through God's power, he bids us to press on. He also says this that I think is really interesting. He starts it with, but one thing to do. His words are forgetting what lies behind. Seeing a race. I remember in my fresh my my uh junior year in high school, I'm running track. Now you guys you gotta be old enough to remember this. Some of you young folks don't remember this. There used to be a race called the two hundred and twenty low hurdles. Anybody remember that race? Okay? It wasn't intermediate, it was a two hundred and twenty, it was like a half a turn and straight. Now that was my kind of race. You didn't have to go all the way around. And I, and, I, and I was poor, so I used to run track in Converse's. And I never understood why people was laughing at me, you know. And one day this dude named Jim Driver, he says, Jay, I'm just so tired of watching you running these Converse's. I'm going to give you some shoes. So what size are you wearing? We happen to wear the same size. So this is my junior year. So now my sophomore year, I came in 5'3". I left my sophomore year 5'10". So... Y'all laughing. That wasn't funny. I'm going to hate to tell you. That was not funny. Everything I wore was always like this. My grandma was, we poor. She's like, Jay, we're going to Goodwill, get you extra shirts, extra triple large, because you keep going whoop, whoop every month. So so Jim says, I'm tired. What size do I say? Now, I, I go from a size, something like a six to a size ten and a half in a year's time. So my junior year, I'm kind of used to this now. He says, what size you wear? I said, 10 and a half. He said, me too. I'm going to let you wear my flats. I'm like, all right, cool. So I put the flats on. Now, you understand the flats in comparison to the converse. You understand the weight difference there, the differential of weight there. So I put the flats on, get down on my stance, come out the blocks, and land on my face. <laughs> Why is that? Because my feet was moving. Man. I was moving. He said, no, Jay, they move a little fast. you got to. So I'm like, oh, I like this. So I get the lane. I get the the second lane, not on the inside, right? And I come out. I'm flying. Hit the first hurdle. I'm looking left and right. Ain't nobody. Boom. I hit the second hurdle. Boom. I'm like, oh, yo. Boom. I hit the third hurdle. Now there's this thing called the bear. Anybody know about the bear, right? 
So I'm running way faster than I ever did my whole life because I ain't got no, I'm running barefoot it feels like. And I happen to look to the right and behind me and here comes some dude. And he just, he relaxed. Woof. Woof. I'm like, dude, I'm straight it. And next thing I know, I hit that third or fourth hurdle and he, boom, goes by me. And then I tighten up because I'm going to go get him and he just goes farther away. And I see the tape and people yelling at it now. I'm going in slow motion with my light shoes on. <laughs> There's a problem when you forget what's behind, when you don't forget what's behind. I can't move forward looking like this. I can't do it. I can't move forward closing my eyes thinking about Charlie Brown, how I, I struck out. Never going to make it. I can't move forward. I can't move forward. I can't look up. I can't see him. I can't see you. So he's challenging us. He says, forget. He doesn't say, he doesn't say, he doesn't say, don't let, if you're living right, it shouldn't happen. He didn't say that. He didn't say, if you're living right, no pain will befall you. He didn't say that. He didn't say, if you're living right, you won't have asthma, allergies, cancer, colds, viruses. He didn't say that. He didn't say, if you're living right, you won't lose a job. He said, he says, what he does say, forget what lies behind. In that moment, you take the next step, you're not there anymore. Remember Lion King? Rafiki goes to get Simba. You remember that scene? And Simba says, I can't leave Hakuna Matata. I killed my dad. And Rafiki goes, pow, hits him on the top of the head. It's in the past. <laughs> And he's so mad at Rafiki about hitting him, he forgets what he just was talking about. It's in the past. Now, that's not easy to do. He's not presuming we can forget what's behind on our own. That's another thing we can try to do. I'm supposed to forget this stuff. I'm supposed to forgive and forget. Try it. Let me see you try it. Still will it. Let me see you do it. Still will it. It ain't going to happen. That's a process that happens over time. Right? So, do the one thing. Accept the straining forward. This is part of the race. And allow God, with the salve of grace and mercy and, and love, to help you let those things in the past become only lingering memories. They don't define who you are. Not in Christ, they don't. They don't dictate where you're going to go, where he's going to lead you. Which sets up the, the third scene that I want to talk about. Adjust your gauge. Now, oh, before I do that, let me, let me, look, let me just look at this passage. In Second Peter, I found this passage. But, but, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved. That with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. But more importantly, read what he says later. So do the one thing, okay? Straight forward and forget what lies behind. But what he says here is the Lord is slow 
to fulfill his promises as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any of you should perish, but that all of you should reach repentance. All of you will experience change on his dime and on his time. He will keep his promise. It seems slow. God's never on time. God never comes when you want him, but he's always on time. So somebody told me. He never is when you demand him, but he's always on time. Right? Remember the one thing. This is a strain, this is a strain, this life. It's full attention. And it's, there are lots of things we need to forget and stay focused. Thirdly, adjust your gaze and your glance. The passage is, do your best to present yourself to God as a one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of God. Now, he's talking to a particular group of people. I just want you to get the, he's talking to people who's supposed to reflect the truth to other people. He's talking to men and women who are supposed to be called to reflect God's truth to the rest of the flock. He's supposed, he's talking to people so they reflect accurately the new covenant. So when you see it, you get the right reflection. Adjust your gaze and your glance. Let me tell you what I mean by that. There's a series of videos I love watching called 30 to 30 for 30. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. And there was a there was a uh, there was a piece done, and I think he got ran on 60 Minutes or something else, where there was a girl who was a long distance track runner who had MS. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Seen that one? Okay. And what happens is she's she's a state champion runner. Uh, two mile and miler and two mile. State champ. But she has MS and the way it works is when she describes the technicality of it, but what happens is she feels like her, her body assaults her. And so while she's running, she feels great, but as soon as she starts to slow down, everything goes numb and her legs go from under her. Okay. So the scene I have in my mind is, She's running to finish the mile, and her focus is on her coach. Do you understand what I'm saying? She's not paying attention to coming in. Of course, she usually, even in, they show one race where she's running, she's, she's in the pack, she gets knocked down, the pack passes her, she catches the pack and wins the race. But that's not the point. The point is she runs through the finish line to her father's hands, to the coach's hands, our father's hands, her coach. And she starts to scream, please help me, please help me. My legs, I need ice. Because she just collapses. As soon as she hits the, falls into her arms, she has to pick her up, take her to the sideline and put ice on her to get her legs to come back. She literally is gumby legged, rubber leg, nothing there. Her focus is to run and land in the arms of her coach. 
think part of the prize is that Paul's talking about here is aimed at when we adjust our gaze and our glance. Paul says he threw it away. So I'm not so sure he's focusing on his accomplishments or his failures. You with me on that? I'm not so sure that if we gave him the Academy Award for be or the 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 Globe Award for being the best evangelist of all time, I don't. I, I'm not sure he'd show up for the awards. He might. He gracefully take the award and give it away. Cause it's all cool, but he's there's more there's more people to to talk to and to deal with, and he would briefly celebrate and keep moving. I want you to look at the passage there. Second Timothy I read. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, handling rightly the word of truth. Here's what I would ask you to do. Keep your gaze and your glance correct. Your gaze should be at the Father's love for you. I, I went to, uh, anybody seen The Shack yet? The movie. Okay, I went, and I, I'm not, I'm not gonna talk about the theology or argue with you. It's a, it's a, it's a story. But they say something that's very cool and throughout the book that I think the father would say to us. Um, the lady who plays Papa, she says, she says to Mac, the whole time she sees him, Jesus says it to her, and the Holy Spirit says it to him too. We're, we're, we're fond of you. Can you imagine that? The Father's fond of you. The Father's fond of you, Brad. Tammy, fond of you. Like, with everything you got, he's fond of you. And I, I, I watched the movie, and several times in the movie, I, I couldn't stand it. I, I, it was too much love. I started crying. Like, are you serious? Are you serious? This is the father. They're sitting at the table laughing and enjoying the fact that Max here, Max, and Max pissed off. Max mad. And they're like, dude, we love you. Like, we love you. Like, they're talking about him like that. And Max, like, he wants to take God to string her papa to string her up. Because she has it she took his baby. That's what he said. You 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 didn't do anything about it. Fine. Here's the gaze at that. That in circumstances of peace or adversity, the father's fond of you. And the circumstances don't dictate his love for you. They have nothing to do with how he feels about you. They also have nothing to do with whether or not he's there for you or not. You may say, I don't feel like you're with me. But that is not the truth. You may say, you're distant or you're, you're, you're impartial. That's not the Father's experience. He's in the intimate details of that pain, that hassle, that chat, that wherever, you, wherever you're at. The Father is fond of you. And understand that in circumstances of peace or adversity, he is bigger than both. 
and he waits to catch you when your legs go wobbly. He waits to encourage you when you can't wait one more minute. He will lift you up and carry you when you can't take another step. The Father's fonding. Gaze at that. Glance. Well, I think it might be important to glance at the road every once in a while to know where you're going and avoid the potholes if you can. Glance. You might want to glance at circumstances. But glance also means this, that I glance because I take the glance to take it in because every step I take in the race, I'm in a different place. I'm only one step in this place. The words I just spoke are in the past. In the race, each step takes you to a new place. Glance at it. Enjoy it. Be mad at it. Be passionate. Don't edit. Walk along. Don't walk alongside yourself. Say, well, you, 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 should be, you should be spiritual through this. He gave us the passion we have to be mad and to be frustrated and to be overjoyed and to be excited. He gave it to us. <laughs> Run the race. Glance at it. Don't judge it. Don't categorize it. Breathe. Let it be, because he's going to give you something new next step. Notice, but don't camp there. Notice, but don't camp there. Press on now means to me this. Check your garbage. Do the one thing. And adjust my gazing glance. I understand it now. I used to read Timothy. I'll tell you the transformation that occurred last night. I was looking for a passage to confirm the uh, adventure gaze and glance, and I looked at four, three, or two or three different, uh, um, what do you call them, um, concordances, and they all led me to a Timothy passage. Now the problem with Timothy is I vehemently look at Timothy. Through the eyes of law. So when I read the words, I change them in my mind. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. My edit, my Charlie Brown committee says, do your best to present yourself to God to win his approval. Anybody got the same editor in their head? If you, if you say you don't, you're lying to me. That's how I read it. And I read most, I don't even like Timothy because everything I read in there, I do that to it. I, I edit it. That is not what it says. Do your best to present yourself to God already as somebody approved. I wrote in here just because we're in a new day. We're in this hip-hop generation. I wrote, do your best to accept you've been approved, stamped, and tattooed. So when God looks at you, he looks at your arm and goes, oh, I do. Oh, you're in. I, you're one of the fond ones, right? You're, the fond, you're part of my fond family. Get in here. Get in, get in the house, dude. You don't have to stand. 
The new covenant changed that. Coming to understand God's commitment to me as opposed to my commitment to him, which I'm horrible at. So now I, I can read this and go, oh, that's what it says. Like, the way they wrote it is what it says. As one approved. Here's the other thing. No need to be ashamed. Did you hear what I'm saying? No need to be ashamed. You know that thing you did yesterday? You're approved. Your approval overrides the tendency and the need to be ashamed. Shame means I, my, my bridge to the Father is broken. He says, not ashamed. Don't need to be ashamed. You're always connected to him. Crazy. So again, check your garbage. Do the one thing. Adjust your gaze and glance. And let me just say this. There's two more Sundays in this series, two of which I think are important to hear. Uh, next Sunday, the topic will be stop worrying. And the last Sunday will be, the topic will be thank you. Um, I have no idea where Mike's going to go with this, but I definitely think you ought to hear it. And then three weeks from now, we'll be starting a series to cover Easter called The Winds of Change, where we'll cover Sin, righteousness, and judgment. That's my commercial announcement. Worship team, please come up. We'll sing a few more songs and then I'll close us out with prayer. Dear Father, just want to say thank you for the opportunity we have to press, to press on. Help us to remember to put it in the can and help us to forget what's behind and help us to strain forward. Help us to adjust our glance to the fact that you love us for free and that you're fond of us and that you want us and appreciate us and understand and are sympathetic with us. And help us to glance, to briefly celebrate, to learn to wait to believe that you will encourage us. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you. Amen.